I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me in John chapter 19. Put your finger there and then make your way to Hebrews chapter 10. The text will be up on the screen this morning as well. And I don't know if you know this or not, but some words mean more than they do on the surface. Husbands, how many of you have ever asked your wife, how are you doing? And the response that you got was, fine. (laughs) Fine on the surface means everything's good. Fine doesn't mean that though, does it? How are you doing? I'm fine. You're not. That's just a note for husbands. You may want to take that down, write that down. You're like, oh, that's why. That's what's going on. There's uh, other words that are the same way. The word sure. Like when you are in your 30s and a friend says, can you help me move? Sure. You know, there's words that when you look at them on the surface, seem to be pretty easy to understand, pretty easy to process, and the word that we're going to look at that Jesus utters from the cross this morning as we continue on in our series, looking at Jesus' final words on the cross, this word that we translate as it is finished, the word in Greek to telestai, Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers that has ever lived, made this statement, there are not enough words in the dictionary to fully unpack what this word means. That when Jesus on the cross utters the words, it is finished, that there's so much depth and meaning and understanding that needs to be had when we consider that statement. And so this morning, as we continue on in this series, I want to read for us where we see this first uttered in John chapter 19, verse 30. And then I want us to fast forward just a little bit as we have the opportunity this morning to think through what does this mean? So as we pick up where we left off last week, as we covered verses 28 and 29 in John chapter 19, this is what John records in verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. I want you to notice the writer of Hebrews beginning in verse 1 of chapter 10. This is what he records. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. 
For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, He said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for Me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, you have neither desire nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. Then he added, behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, He sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them, after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together as we consider Jesus' statement that it is finished as we look ahead in the life of the early church in the book of Hebrews, writing, accomplish what Jesus did. There is zero doubt that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross accomplished what he promised Zero doubt that Jesus accomplished what he promised on the cross. Now as we consider the words, it is finished, I want you to understand that that is a word that was oftentimes used in the first century culture. In fact, it was a transactional term. So if you've ever taken out a home mortgage, you know that paperwork after paperwork after paperwork has to be filled out. You are signing your name that you agree to make the payments on this home until what? It is finished. 30 years, 15 if you're smart. Well, financial advice there in the midst of the sermon, that was free. 
But you sign your name agreeing to make the payment on your home. Agreeing that until it is finished, until you have satisfied the full amount of payment, which is the principal plus interest, until that time comes, you are still in debt. You are still owing on that home. And so in the first century, when a debt transaction took place, someone would borrow money. When the money was paid back in full, they would actually stamp on the document that detailed out this debt one word. That word was the word tetelestai. It is finished. It is paid in full. So when Jesus on the cross offering in himself the once and for all sacrifice for sins, utters the word, it is finished, Jesus is saying in this moment, the debt for sin has been paid. It has been paid in full. So when Jesus makes the statement, it is finished, it provides for us clarity. If we go back and look at the Old Testament, and that's what the writer of Hebrews does, so if you look back in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, the writer of Hebrews is calling these readers and our minds to what happened in the Old Testament. And so he goes back and he reminds them of the sacrificial system that God had laid out for his people to work through. And at this point in time, as they're looking back, he is calling their attention to say, remember what's going on in the Old Testament sacrificial system. Remember that a sacrifice had to be offered consistently over and over and over again so that you could be forgiven of your sins. It was a constant reminder for God's people that they were sinners in need of a Savior. And so constantly throughout the Old Testament, this is the reminder that God has given to his people to say that you are sinners in need of a savior. You are sinners in need of a savior. And so every time the priest would offer this sacrifice for sins, the people's minds would be pricked and they would remember that they had to have a sacrifice offered on their behalf so that they could be forgiven of their sins. And the writer of Hebrews reminds them it never ended. That it was consistent. That there was never a moment that they could really and truly rest and say, wow, I've been forgiven because every year that same sacrifice would be offered. Every year they would be reminded, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Every single year it was the constant reminder for God's people that they desperately needed him and his forgiveness. But I want you to notice that the writer of Hebrews says, we're no longer there. This yearly constant offering of a sacrifice to forgive our sins was done away with in the moment that Jesus Christ on the cross laid his life down for us. 
So when Jesus utters the word, it is finished, he brings clarity to the minds of those who were standing there and to us as well to recognize that Jesus' death on the cross satisfies the payment of sin. No longer is there a sacrifice offered year after year after year. Jesus, the writer of Hebrews says, is the once and for all sacrifice to end it all. Jesus' death on the cross, when he utters the words, it is finished, means it. It brings clarity to our minds. It helps us understand that as we work through the Old Testament, as we look and we begin to trace what God is doing in the lives of his people, as we begin to look and to understand how this system was set up to call his people's attention back to him, what we recognize in this moment that we are on the other side. What the writer of Hebrews is reminding the people, giving them clarity, helping them see and understand what Jesus' sacrifice did. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross nullified the need for a consistent sacrifice because he is the only lasting sacrifice for sin. One of the things that I have to do on a pretty consistent basis, or my wife has to do, is clean our youngest daughter's glasses. If you have a child that has glasses, isn't it amazing how much stuff they can get on their glasses? You ever notice that? Like I pull them off of her sometimes and I hold them up and I'm thinking, how do you see? I mean, it's food from lunch the previous three days, right? I mean, you're just like, what in the world is going on there? And you need to clean them so that they can actually see clearly. And and that's what the writer of Hebrews is doing for us in verses one through 10 here. He is helping us clean the fog off the glasses, clean the crud off the glasses, and to see clearly, perceptively, that Jesus Christ is the once and for all sacrifice for sins. As we look at Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we're reminded of that great truth. As we look at what Jesus says, that it is finished. See, one of the great struggles that most religions have in trying to help people follow quote-unquote God is that they say to them, here are the rules that you have to follow. Here are the things that you have to do so that God likes you, so that God is pleased with you. You've got to go through these steps. You've got to attain to this level. You have to do this And Jesus' words on the cross put an end to that mindset. Jesus on the cross doesn't say it's finished, but you still got a lot of work to do. Jesus' statement on the cross said, done, paid in full. The debt that you and I owe as a result of our sins, Jesus on the cross in the once for all sacrifice to end sacrifices says, it's paid, it's done. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, 
That should bring clarity as you think about what Christ has done for you. That should bring clarity in your mind. As you you look at and recognize and understand exactly what Jesus Christ's death on the cross provides for you. What we recognize and understand that Scripture teaches is that we are all sinners. We are born sinners and we sin. Serve in the two-year-old classroom. You'll find that out, right? It's very evident. It's very clear. It doesn't take long to be a parent to recognize you've got a little sinner at home. They're cute when they're babies, and then all of a sudden they turn two. You're like, what happened? But you realize really quickly in that moment that every single human, with the exception of Jesus Christ, the sinless Savior, is a sinner. And every single one of us needs to be forgiven of our sins. And Jesus here says... It's done. For us who are believers, who have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior, it is done. Trusting Jesus Christ means that your debt is paid. Meaning that on the soul, Jesus has stamped, it's finished. It's done. The sacrifice is good. The debt has been paid. You have been forgiven. If you're here this morning and you've not taken that step of trusting Jesus Christ as your Savior, hopefully this morning there's clarity for you to recognize that Jesus didn't call you to fix yourself. Jesus doesn't say to you, clean yourself up, then come to me. Put your life in order and then come to me. No, what Jesus says is come to me. In your sin, come to me. Willing to receive the forgiveness that my death on the cross and resurrection provides for you. Maybe you're here this morning and you need to take that step. Maybe this morning for you, your glasses have been cleaned you've realized that you need to be forgiven of your sins. And I want to encourage you this morning, Jesus Christ's death on the cross makes it possible for you to be forgiven of your sin. Not only does Jesus' statement, it is finished, provide clarity, but in verses 11 through 18, it also provides comfort. I want you to notice, I want to read again, beginning in verse 11. Every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. 
As you think about Jesus' statement, it is finished, not only does it bring clarity, not only does it remind us what Jesus has accomplished for us, but for us as believers, this should be a source of comfort in our lives. One of the words that's used to describe Satan is that he is an accuser. And if you've been a believer for any length of time, you've experienced his attacks. Satan loves nothing more than to seek to tell you, as a believer, you aren't worth it. To seek to tell you, as a believer, God can't be pleased with you. To seek to tell you, as a believer, yeah, 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 I know that you've trusted in Jesus, but but he doesn't love you. And I want you to know as a follower of Jesus this morning that Jesus Christ's death on the cross, his sacrifice, his statement, it is finished, should bring comfort to us because, did you notice the second part there in the verse 13 that I read? What is Jesus doing now? Sitting at the right hand of the Father waiting. To what? His enemies become his footstool. Church, come on. Here's the thing. His enemies are our enemies. And his enemies are his footstool, which by default means that his enemies are also our footstool. Meaning that Satan, when he comes with the accusations, when he comes against you to say, you're not worthy of what Christ has done. You're not worthy of his sacrifice on the cross. We can claim the victory in what Christ accomplished. There's absolutely no doubt that what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross accomplished exactly what he promised. He is victorious and by default church we stand in his victory I don't know if you've ever dealt with a bully but sometimes a bully needs to be punched in the face and for you as a believer this morning You have sat under constant attack from Satan telling you that you are not worthy for what Christ has done for you, that you don't deserve it, that you don't measure up, that you are not enough. And here's the challenge for you this morning. Punch him in the face. Hear me this morning. It should bring comfort to us as believers to know that Jesus Christ accomplished what he said he was going to accomplish. That when he uttered the words, it is finished, it is finished. And for us as believers, we should rest in that reality. Not only does Jesus' statement, it is finished, provide clarity and provide comfort But lastly, it provides confidence. 
We talk about this every single week, church. We don't exist for what happens in this room. We exist as a body of believers gathered together because there is a mission that Jesus has called us to fulfill. That mission is to make disciples, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with our coworkers, with our friends, with our family members, to help them see that there is hope to be forgiven of their sins and brought in right relationship with God. And for us as believers to think of what Jesus utters here on the cross, these words, it is finished. For us, that should boost our confidence as we go into this world and share what Christ has done in our lives. Listen, we don't walk into this world and say, hey, you know, uh, trust Jesus. I hope it works out. We don't go in and say, hey, place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and, and maybe you'll be forgiven or, or, or maybe you'll be able to, to move forward or, you know, maybe there's still some extra things that you have to do. Church, that's not the message that we proclaim. We proclaim the message that Christ finished it on the cross so that we have confidence as we share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people that are far from him. Jesus can do in their lives what he's done in our lives. Jesus can forgive them of their sins, bring them in right relationship with him that when he utters the words, it is finished on the cross that we therefore have the confidence to go into this world He's called us to live in and to share that hope that we found in Him. One of the interesting things, especially this time of year as we head into Easter Sunday, there are people in your life who especially this time of year are willing to, to come to church when maybe at no other time in the year are they willing to come. And I want to challenge you, as I did earlier in the service, who is your one person that you know needs to hear the truth of who Jesus Christ is? I'll make this promise to you. I hope that there would never be any doubt. If you bring someone to church next Sunday who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'll make you this one promise. They will hear the gospel. They will hear the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done. As we celebrate the resurrection of Christ, they will be confronted with the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done. And then it's up to them. But I want you to hear me. If they never get the invitation, it's on us. So who's your one? And my prayer is that This passage of Scripture, these words that Jesus utters on the cross would give you the confidence as a believer this week to share the hope that you found in Jesus Christ and invite them to come and find out for themselves what it's all about. I want to ask you this morning if 
you would bow your heads with me and close your eyes. As our worship team makes their way up with heads bowed and with eyes closed this morning. Simple question to begin with. Have you taken the step of trusting in Jesus Christ as your Savior? As we talked this morning about Jesus' statement that it is finished, that the debt for sin has been paid, here's the question. Has that happened in your life? Has that word been stamped on your heart? Have your sins been forgiven? Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? I have no doubt this morning that with all of us gathered in this room that there are some that have not taken that step yet. And maybe for the very first time this morning, you realize what it's all about. Maybe for the very first time, you realize that Jesus Christ paid the debt that you owed. And that right now, if you trust in Him as your Savior, that your sins can be forgiven. And maybe you need to take that step. If that's the step that you need to take this morning, I want to encourage you right now to pray this prayer along with me. There's nothing magical about the words. What matters is the intent of your heart before the Lord. But if you know that that's the step that you need to take, just silently there as you sit, between you and the Lord, pray this prayer, Father, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I need to be forgiven of my sins. I believe that Jesus paid my debt on the cross. I believe it is finished. And right now I've received the forgiveness of my sins. Come into my life, transform my heart. Help me follow you the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to encourage you when we stand and sing in just a little bit to step out and walk down grab my hand or Pastor Aaron's hand this morning and let us know that this morning you prayed the prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. But maybe this morning you're a believer here. You feel as if you're under attack. The constant refrain in your mind is questioning whether you measure up whether God loves you or not, whether you're enough, 
whether he's disappointed with you. And this morning, you need his arms of comfort wrapped around you. You need to rest in Jesus' words, it is finished. You need to claim that truth this morning. And to the evil one who would accuse you, simply say it's not going to work. Maybe you want to take the time as we have an opportunity to respond this morning to come down to the front, to kneel right here on the carpet and just simply pray for that person that you know in your life that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. To ask God to give you the confidence to share that hope with them. Ask God to give you the confidence to invite them, maybe this coming Sunday, Easter Sunday, to church. Father, we ask this morning that you would continue to work in our hearts. Father, for those that have taken the step this morning of trusting in Jesus as their Savior, would you give them the courage to step out in just a few moments and to let us know that? Or if they need to take that step, Father, that you would give them the courage to grab myself or Pastor Aaron after the service and say, that's the step I need to take. Father, will you comfort those who are under attack this morning from the evil one? Would you help them be able to rest in what Christ did for them? And God, would you give us as your church the confidence that Jesus' words, it is finished, would be on our lips this week with our neighbors, with our co-workers, with our friends, with our family. Father, use this time as we respond to you to do a work in our lives. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I want to ask you if you'd stand. As we sing, I want to encourage you, if you need to take that step and respond, if you prayed that prayer, would you step out and come down? If you want to take some time just to spend in prayer before the Lord, I want to invite you down to do that. You respond as the Lord leads.